0: If you're thankful for his goodness, just praise him for a moment. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we magnify you. We thank you for your goodness, your presence, your love that we feel in this house. Thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful presence. Are you glad you get to feel him and be touched by him and changed by him on a Sunday afternoon? Amen. There is nothing like the presence and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. So thankful for what we feel here today. You can be seated just for a moment before we stand again for the reading of the word. Sorry, just one moment here. All right, all right, just making sure we're following protocol. I have been so honored to be designated to be the one to dismiss Sunday school. Amen. Amen. So if you have not already gone to your respective classes, Sunday school is dismissed. Amen. And pray for our Sunday school teachers. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Always do a great job. Amen. We give honor to this church, ARC Carson City. So good to see you all again. Amen. My wife and I are privileged to be here. Thank you for having us back. And uh, thank you for your kindness to us. And thank you in advance for your... Attention to the Word of God as you always give it. Amen. May God bless each and every one of you for your faithfulness. It's cold out there, but you're here in a warm sanctuary in the house of God. And you made the best decision to be here. Amen. I would have taken it personally if I showed up and didn't see you here. So I'm glad you're here not offending me. Amen. We love all of you very much. We give your pastor and his wife honor in their absence. Uh, Pastor and Sister Hood, for those who are new here, I am not the pastor. I thought of introducing myself as Pastor Evan Hood just to see if I could trick anybody, but I'm not the pastor. You have a very capable, great pastor and his wife who are currently out of town, but as I've been told, they'll be back Tuesday, and we leave tomorrow, so we are just barely going to miss them. We hate that, but we look forward to hopefully getting to see them again soon and seeing you all again soon. Amen. Before we go any further, I wonder if we could just take a quick moment and just bow our heads really quickly, lift your hands, whatever you feel, and let's just pray before we go any further. I really feel like the Lord wants to speak to someone, and I I just want confirmation and clarity. So let's just take just a moment and pray. Jesus, we submit our hearts and minds to you. God, we don't want our will. We want your will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Come on, lift your voice and help me pray. Thy will be done in Carson City as it is in heaven. Come on, is that your will? Thy will be done in my heart as it is in heaven. Come on, take a minute just to pray. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Amen. 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 Thank you to the music team for leading us in worship. And um so glad for what we feel here today. Amen. We're gonna turn to the word of the Lord here in just a moment. Before we do, I do want to say also what a privilege it is to have my wife here with me. Amen. Appreciate her so very much. She makes me, she makes me a much better man. A much, much better man. And um, Brother Diaz, I don't know, I think sometimes I need her to preach to me more than she needs me to preach to her, <laughs> amen. And uh, she's kind enough, too. When I'm, when I'm on the wrong track, she lovingly speaks the truth and love and sets me straight, and I love it. That's why I got married. I didn't get married to just stay the same, you know. I got married because I wanted to grow. I wanted to marry someone who could help me grow. Same reason why I became a Christian and got in the church. I didn't become a Christian so I could stay average or just be the same as I always was. I became a Christian to be transformed, <laughs> And Jesus has done that in me and in you. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Amen. Amen. Well, let's turn to the Word of the Lord. Amen. We're going to turn to. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to turn to the book of Matthew. Amen. We're going to read from uh, Matthew chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-three and then verses, uh, well, chapter 2, then verses 1 through 6. Sorry, I have my notes scattered here, but I got them together. Matthew 1, 18 through 23, and Matthew 2, 1 through 6. So it's all in the same frame, same story, same context. Amen. If you have it, you can say amen. If you don't, you can say oh my. All right, at least you're honest. Let's read it together. Matthew 1 starting with verse 18 through 23, and then 2, 1 through 6. And I'll give him just a second to put them on the screen. That's my fault. didn't get them to him sooner. Thank you, the media team. Uh, also heard wonderful things, as Brother Diaz mentioned, about this midweek service for the Mark preaching. Heard it was a tremendous uh, a word of God, tremendous service, and uh, appreciate my brother very much. Amen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That's why, that's why it's referred to as this father-son relationship, of course. We know that that refers to humanity and divinity. Jesus is God. Uh, but we have that language because the father of Jesus was, of course, the spirit of God. It was not technically Joseph, but it was the spirit that came over Mary and, uh, and caused her to uh, be pregnant with a child. And, of course, Jesus was born into the world. Scripture continues, says, Then Joseph, her husband being a just man, not willing to make her a public example uh, because, of course, uh, uh, people might think things, amen, since she was pregnant and it was not due to Joseph. And uh, you know the story, I won't go into all of it. It could be perceived as scandalous. Not a lot of people would believe her And when she says, no, I mean it. God really is the father of this child. Uh, But Joseph was wise enough and he had heard from God as well, so he was not going to make her a public example was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. See, the Lord is speaking to Joseph. And the uh, uh, angel continues and says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. How many know Jesus is God? Jesus is God. Amen. Let's continue to chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, almost done here. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. He felt that his authority and power was threatened, and he was right about that. Amen. What I want to talk to us about this morning with the help of the Lord, I hope it's okay if I preach a slightly Christmassy sermon to you, being the holiday season that we're in. The title of what I want to preach to us about this morning is simply this, our hopes and fears are met in him. Our hopes and fears are met in him. Amen. I really believe God wants to speak to somebody and God wants to remind someone that he is still the one that meets all of our needs, that Jesus Christ is still the one that meets every need that we could ever, ever deal with, that we could ever encounter. So if you're going to help me preach before we go any further, the presence of the Lord is already here. But would you clap your hands one more time? Lift your voice to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let him know that you trust him, let let him know that you want to hear from him, let him know that you can give him all of your needs, and he will do a miracle in your situation. Come on, praise him for just a second longer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. If you don't love Christmas and got a Grinch spirit on you, well, there's the door right there. I'm just teasing. I'll invite you to an altar instead. You can repent of the Grinchness. Uh, I'm teasing, but I really, really do love, love Christmas. Obviously, I love the true reason for the season, which is what we just read about in our text, that God came to earth, manifested himself in flesh, Christ was born, and, and uh, we would not be here. Without the Christmas story, right? And I love all the other things that also point to the spirit of Christmas and the lights and and the gifts and all the things, as long as we, of course, keep Christ at the center of the season. But I love Christmas. I really, really do. And I like Christmas music, and I know I might get some groans from people, and I know that that's an acquired sophisticated taste. Not everyone uh, has the sophistication to like Christmas music, I guess. Uh, But one of my favorite songs, because of the lyrics, is the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. How many have ever heard, O Little Town of Bethlehem? Amen. This was written in 1868 by a man named Phillips Brooks, who was a clergyman from Philadelphia. And after he took, he wrote this after he took a trip to the Holy Land, and he observed the nighttime Bethlehem from the upward hills of Palestine. An inspiration struck him, and when he returned home, he had his church organist, Lewis Redner, write the melody for their Sunday school choir. And it has been a beloved Christmas classic ever since. Is it okay if I just preach about Christmas for a moment to somebody here? Amen. All right. I got some uh, people who appreciate Christmas. How does the song go? My voice is a little rough. I may, may try to sing it. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight the hopes and fears of all the years Are met in thee tonight. Now, I know I can't sing it as good as Nat King Cole. Amen. But I told you I love Christmas. I love Christmas music. And I love the line in that song, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. What a statement. The hopes and fears of all the years were met in him in a single moment. You see, what I think this means, and I'm not trying to give too much credence, we're going to dive into the Word of God, I'm not trying to exegete a Christmas song, but I think the author of this had uh, had an important insight into the Christmas story, and I believe one thing that this means, that line means, is that Jesus brought, brought hope to good hearts, and he brought fear to evil hearts, did he not? When he came on the scene, those who were hungry for righteousness, hope uh, started to well up within them. Them. But when he came on the scene, those who wanted unrighteousness like Herod, fear came upon them and, and tyrants became even more tyrannical. And maybe that's what it means, the lyric, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. But I think that this also more broadly and perhaps more importantly refers to the fact that all of us are full of both hopes and fears. All of us have both hopes and fears within us. You see, we want our hopes to be fulfilled, don't we? And we want our fears to be removed, don't we? And that's perfectly natural. We all can be a mix of hope and fears. And sometimes we go through seasons where it's more hopeful. And other times we go through seasons where it's a little more fearful. Amen. But I've just come to tell someone whatever season that you might find yourself in, Jesus is still the answer. And all hopes, all fears, all anxieties, all problems, all longings are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we hope for a healing, but we fear what will happen if the healing doesn't take place. Hopes and fears. There are days when we swell with hope for our lost loved ones. And then there are other days where we fear that they may never come to their senses and give their lives to Jesus. We hope for a better world. But current events make us wonder if that will ever happen this side of heaven. We hope, amen, that certain circumstances will change, but we also then have fear if we're being honest about what might happen if those circumstances do not change. There are hopes that we want to be fulfilled and fears that we truly hope that do not take place, etc., etc. There's so many different examples. And can I tell you this morning that Mary and Joseph and all of God's people were feeling the same way all of those years ago there was social unrest back then just like there has been now. And there was uncertainty about the future back then, just like there's uncertainty about the future right now. I read something recently that Americans have less money in their savings accounts, amen, more than ever before, amen. And because so much is having to deal with the here and now and the crisis that are happening here and now, and the, the future is uncertain for everyone, and plans have changed, vacations were X'd out, and, and uh, jobs that we hoped we'd get, uh, the hopes were dead. and and so much uncertainty, but it's not just us. They were experiencing it all the way back then in Bethlehem around that time period as well. And they had it much worse, obviously, as they were living under the oppressive hand of a foreign government. Amen. And while we might have been experiencing some oppression lately from some of our own leaders in the country, uh, 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 listen, it had nothing in comparison to what they were going through all those years ago. But similarly to our rising inflation and gas prices, attacks back then had just gone out all over the land to make people's lives even more difficult. You want to talk about hopes and fears? I hope that the gas prices will go down, but I fear that they may never go down. (laughs) Hopes and fears, especially in California. And also while a heated debate about abortion rages in our country and cases are going to the Supreme Court as we speak, remember that back then there was a wicked leader named Herod that put forth a decree that all male babies two years old and under should be killed. You see, there's, there's, there's a lot of similarities, and they had plenty of reasons to be uncertain and fearful as well. And I would argue they had it much worse than us. And yet everything changed in a single moment. The hopes and fears of the past, the present, and the future were all met in one moment in a divine being laying in a small manger in a stable in Bethlehem. Listen, I want to remind somebody today of the power of the Christmas story, the power of what we believe in, the power that God was not satisfied just staying up in the heavens, but God loved us enough that he robed himself in flesh uh, and came down into the world and gave his life, uh, gave his ministry, uh, shed his blood on a cross, uh, was buried and rose again for you and I. Is there anybody thankful that in a single moment God changed everything? In a single moment uh, Jesus changed the trajectory of history in one moment. Somebody praise him right now. I want you to understand the power of the Christmas story. Just give me a moment to set this up here today. Hinduism and Buddhism teaches that God is is mainly merely just the divine spark in all of us. And therefore the incarnation of the divine into the human is just happening all the time and it's constant. That's what they teach. And Judaism and Islam If I could funnel it down. They they claim that God is so transcendent that the incarnation of the divine into the human is impossible. But that's what makes Christianity and what we believe so different. We believe, church, that the transcendent creator God did come down and dwell in human flesh in one single life altering event. We do believe that the impossible became possible in one moment in a manger in Bethlehem. In one single moment, everything changed. And can I remind somebody today as well that if God can change everything in a single moment back then, God can can still change everything in a single moment right now. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can come on the scene in the middle of a church in Carson City, Nevada, and start birthing miracles onto the scene and start birthing Holy Ghost and healings and divine supernatural events onto the scene. The same God that did it back then can do it here today. We are still living in the power of the Christmas story today. And in that single moment, When God birthed himself into the world, the metaphysical, for any philosophy uh, uh, nerds out there, the metaphysical has now become physical. Do you see how powerful this is? The immortal has become mortal. The unapproachable has become someone that you can approach and touch. Uh, Jesus said, handle me and see. I am not someone that can't be touched. Uh, I'm not someone so far removed from the infirmities and the pains of humans, No, he was touched at every point like we were with temptation and infirmity and yet without sin. Amen. The unapproachable has become someone that we can talk to from the 11-year-olds to the 57-year-olds. Anybody can get on their knees and say, Jesus, I need you. And you can hear his voice and you can feel his presence and you can feel his touch. He is not unapproachable. The one who once was unapproachable became approachable in Christ Jesus. Are you thankful, are you thankful that all our hopes and fears have become satisfied, fulfilled, and remedied in Jesus Christ? Jesus was and is the fulfillment of all history, all philosophy. I know you've heard this before. Someone said history is just his story, right? He's the fulfillment of all history of all philosophy and all psychology, this one who we worship two to three times a week and hopefully who we pray to at home. I'm trying to get your eyes to see just how big and just how vast and just how great our God is. I am not trying to diminish the problems you might be facing. I'm just trying to magnify the God that you're serving and remind you how big and how great and how awesome he is. All throughout history, man has searched to find God. But it was only Jesus who said, I am God, come to find you. He's the only one. Come on. The the, 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 the God of the Buddhists and the Hindus and the the, the Muslims and everybody else, they cannot claim what we can claim. Everyone has searched for God since the beginning of time. But Jesus is the only one. Out of all those other false gods, he's the only one, the true God, who said, I am God, come to find you. I am God, come to set you free. I am God to come into your home and eat with the sinners and eat with the Pharisees and eat with the prophets prostitutes so that you could be saved and continue in your sin no more. Jesus is still the God that chases after us. Jesus is still the God that will pursue you and I. He loves us. He, come on, does anybody hear what I'm preaching this morning? Hallelujah. The God that we serve, everything we need is still found in Jesus. Truly the hopes and the fears of all history are met in Jesus Christ. And I've just come to preach to someone and remind someone on a Sunday morning in this holiday season that Jesus is still, he is still meeting all of our needs today. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you're here today and you're filled with fear or you're filled with discouragement, hear this preacher today. If you are here and you once had hopes but they were seemingly dashed and destroyed, and now your heart is sick because the Bible says hope deferred, hope prolonged makes the heart sick. If you are here and you have hope and fear battling it out together in your mind and you can't seem to escape the battle, I've just come to remind you this morning that Jesus Christ is still the answer for our fears and he's still the fulfillment of all of our hopes. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy every longing within us i just come to remind someone he is still the one, the only one who can and will meet our needs. He's the only one who can meet all of our needs. I really felt as I was praying just a moment ago before the service started, amen, and, and as everyone was praying with me when I had you pray, I really feel like the Lord put on my mind that there's someone here that's dealing with a crippling burden of regret. There's someone or someone's here in this house. It's gonna feel like we're going through rabbit trails today. Hopefully we can tie it up, put a bow on it, and make it look like a pretty Christmas present at the end. But I really feel like the Lord revealed to me that there are people there's a pe- person or peoples here who are dealing with the crushing burden of regret. Maybe it was something fairly recently, maybe it was something years ago. And it's weighing on you. And if it was something years ago, may- maybe maybe you you kind of doubled or tripled your regret because of the way you reacted to your regret. Maybe you made a mistake and it was so bad, and 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 you know it was it was it was so dark that instead of going to the altar where you should have gone, you said, "Well, I've already messed up. I've already made a bad decision. I've already hurt someone else." And so, so you know what? I'm I'm just I'm just going to double down on it. I'm just going to stay away from the church. I, I'm I'm already in sin. I'm already in darkness. I might as well just see where this path leads. And so you doubled your regret and tripled your regret. I don't know who I'm preaching to, and I know this feels really random, but I had to share that with someone because I feel the Lord's prompting me to. Jesus is the the answer for your regrets. Can I tell you something? Jesus can heal you of all your regrets. Jesus can heal you of all your shame. All the things that you wish you would have done differently, all the things that you wish you could have taken back, uh, those memories, those images of your past that try to pop up in your mind, those fears, those lies that try to tell you that you're just like the same person you were 10 years ago, even though you know you're different. Come on, the power, the sin, the dark power of those regrets that try to come after you, Jesus is the answer for that. Uh, Jesus is the remedy for that. Uh, All of your needs, all of your regrets, all of those painful memories, Jesus is the answer and the remedy for everything that you wish that you would have done differently. It's time to let go of the shame. Come on, somebody. It's time to let go of the condemnation. I didn't come to just have average church here today. I hope you didn't either. It's time to let go of the shame. It's time to let go of the condemnation. It's time to say, you know what, if I I have repented of my sins, and I've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I have nothing to fear, and I'm not going to let the devil play with my mind anymore. I'm not going to let the devil condemn my mind anymore. No way, no how. The Lord has delivered me from my past and delivered me from those memories of regret. (laughs) Jesus is still the God that can heal the parts of you that you hate the most. Jesus is still the God. He's still the answer. He's still the one that can heal you and set you free from the parts of you that you despise the most. And one of the most important things he'll set you free of if you let him is the self-despising in general. Because shame and condemnation, the devil loves it because all you do is keep yourself in a cycle of sin, in a cycle of dysfunction, in a cycle of shame. But I don't know who the Lord's speaking to. I'm about to move on in a minute. But the Lord told me to tell someone, tell them that I meet all their needs, and specifically that I can meet the need of regret, that I can heal the weight of regret. Come on, my Bible says that Jesus can redeem the time, the time that's been lost, the things that you wish you could have taken back. Jesus will forgive you if you ask him for forgiveness, if you're baptized in Jesus' name. And guess what? Jesus will also give you chances, amen, to do what you should have done the first time. I'm not saying that's where salvation is found. Salvation is not found in our works, no matter how many good deeds we do after we've fallen. That's not what saves us. It's the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus that saves us and us putting our faith in it as well. But God is so kind and so merciful and so loving that he believes in something called restitution as well. And that's why, that's why there's a story, you may have heard it before, where a man came to, to Gandhi, the, the, the great world leader Gandhi, years ago and he was trying to turn his life around and he said, great leader, he said, I uh, I made a mistake and I was in a in a war. We were in a fight with uh, rebels that were on the other side of, of, uh, of the issue and there was a, a young man and he wasn't even really fighting but I was so angry. He was the enemy. He was the other. He was only nine or ten years old and in my anger, I crushed him and I killed him. This young boy, he said, I've had nightmares and regrets ever since. I want to turn my life around but I can't shake this regret and God someone who doesn't even have the truth, doesn't have the things that were talked about, he had enough sense to say, listen, there will be a moment of restitution for you, and there will be another nine or 10-year-old that crosses your path. And yes, you can't undo what you did, but there'll be another child that will come and do for that child what you should have done for the first one even though you you took the life of the first one, this other one that comes along, it's called restitution, and you'll have an opportunity to take that child in, to show them love, to give them food, to give them care, to adopt an orphan, make restitution, amen, for what happened. Can I tell you, our God is so good, he'll forgive us, he'll wash us, he'll deliver us from shame and condemnation, and he'll also give us an opportunity to make restitution and do what we should have done the first time. Can I tell you, Jesus? Jesus Christ meets all of our needs, all of our hopes, and all of our fears, all of our regrets, all of our pains, all of our burdens, all of our anxieties, all of our depressions. Jesus is still the answer for all of it. Will will you praise him if you believe that this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I digress. We'll hop hop off the rabbit trail. Let's talk about hope for a minute. Paul said in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 that we have a hope that maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Another translation says it this way, the hope we have been given does not disappoint In fact, that's a better translation of the original language here. That's what Paul was saying. Paul was acknowledging that there were people in his audience who had put their hope in a lot of things. Maybe they put their hope in their version of the stock market. Maybe they put their their hope in government. Maybe they put their hope in, in relationships or addictive substances or entertainment, whatever it was back in the day. But Paul was saying if you put your hope in anything other than Jesus Christ, there will come a point where you will be disappointed. And we can testify, if anyone put too much hope in our in our, in our uh, uh, nation's government and things like that, I, I'm sure you could agree those hopes were pretty dashed, amen, w- in the past few years when certain things were happening. And it's because we realized that, my goodness, if I put my hope in anything in this world, I'm going to be disappointed. Another translation actually says hope does not make us embarrassed. Paul was trying to acknowledge that there were people that put all of their eggs in a certain basket, and it fell apart, and it caved in on them, and they were disappointed, they were ashamed, and they were embarrassed but Paul was saying there's one hope that will never let you down it will never embarrass you it will never disappoint you you will never be ashamed for putting your hope in this thing because Jesus Christ will never fail he cannot he never has he never will his kingdom is the only kingdom that cannot be shaken So if you're not a part of his kingdom, you need to be a part of his kingdom. You need to get into the kingdom. You need to be born again of water and spirit. And if you're already in the kingdom, been born again of water and spirit, amen, that you don't need to live in shame. You don't need to live in fear. Realize that the love of God has been put in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which has been given to you. So you do not need to be ashamed, afraid, or disappointed. We have this eternal hope of glory. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that for those of us who have been filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit of God, we have an eternal hope that will not let us down and will not disappoint. And if you are here today and you have never been filled with the Spirit, just like they were in the Bible, just like they were in the book of Acts, in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, amen, you can be filled today the same way they were filled. I know I might be largely preaching to the choir, but if even there's one person here or one person listening online that you don't yet have that hope that maketh not ashamed because you have not yet received the Holy Ghost, amen, which, has been, which, which is given from God. If you have not yet experienced that, God wants to fill you with the divine power of the Holy Ghost today. God wants to fill you with his spirit overflowing today. Come on, I'm just here to tell someone, Jesus still meets all of our needs. So we mentioned hope, and i got to hurry. Let's just mention fear for a minute. Did you know, maybe some of you, the Bible readers, Bible quizzers knew this, did you know that the most commonly repeated phrase in your entire Bible is fear not? In your entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. You can look it up yourself. Google it. Don't do it right now, but when you get home. You might get distracted and start playing Candy Crush or something and then we'd be in trouble. And not just the words fear not, but there's multiple iterations of it, whether it's be not afraid, fear ye not, fear thou not, thou shalt not be afraid, do not be afraid. However it's phrased, that sentiment, that principle where God is telling us do not to fear, but to trust him instead, that is the most commonly repeated phrase in your entire Bible. And I've just come to tackle and rebuke a spirit of fear today for anybody that's been battling fear, for anybody that's been crushed by fear. For anybody that's been oppressed by fear, Jesus gives freedom from fear. All of our fears are met in him. All of our fears are taken away and remedied in Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're struggling with fear, whether it has to do with your job or your family or your soul or your mind, whatever kind of fear you're dealing with, Jesus wants to give you freedom from that fear. And in one moment at an altar call on a Sunday morning, you can lift your hands and say, Jesus, I'm tired of living in fear. Uh, Jesus, I give to you this fear in my heart. And I'm telling you, when you do that, amen, the Spirit of God will move in. The Spirit of God will come into your heart uh, and replace that fear with the peace that passes all understanding. If you believe that, somebody praise him for a moment. Jesus meets all of our needs. Jesus can meet all of your needs and heal your deepest fears if you give them to him. Maybe there's someone here where fear has been crippling you. Fear has been oppressing you. Fear has been trapping you in your bed in the morning, making you not want to get up out of bed in the morning because of fear and depression and anxiety. And I think that I've mentioned this before, but one person said this, fear is just faith in your enemy. We think fear and faith are opposites. They're not. Fear is faith as well. It is faith as well, but it's faith in the wrong things. Fear is faith. Fear is believing that the worst thing is going to happen to you. Fear is believing that the worst possible outcome is going to happen to you. But if you can expend that much energy and that much imagination overthinking and assuming that the worst thing is going to happen to you, then couldn't you take that energy, transfer it, put it in Jesus, and say, you know what? I'm not going to fear like that anymore if (laughs) I can have faith that the worst thing is going to happen, then you know what? I can start to have faith that better things are going to happen, that Jesus is with me, that Jesus can help me, that Jesus is still a God that can heal me because his word says so. Come on, somebody. Don't have more faith in the enemy than you do in your God. Don't put more faith in the enemy than you do in the word of God. Jesus is still the answer for all of your fear. Amen. I'm here to tell you this morning, I would even be so bold to tell you that Jesus can heal your body this morning. Yes, I'm crazy enough to believe that and preach that. I can't promise you that because I'm not God. I, I can't I can't tell you what will and won't happen. Only Jesus can fill and heal and deliver. But can I tell you that he's able? Yes, he's absolutely able. His word says he's able, and I've seen him do it before. Now, God is sovereign, and I trust him whether he chooses to heal or not to. The Almighty has his own purposes, as Abraham Lincoln once said. But it's not a question of whether or not he's able. He is more than able to heal satisfy and deliver amen I came across in my notes uh, a few days ago and I felt to share this with the church in conjunction with this message today and uh, I may have mentioned this story before but if I did it was the short version I didn't remember all the details of this miraculous story I'm about to share with you Uh, but I came across my notes and it was actually a newsletter from the church that this happened at And I forgot I had it, and I read it again, and and God just blew my mind all over again when I read the details of what happened. This is what a lady wrote. She lives in North Little Rock, Arkansas. This is the church that we were at, and the church where this miracle happened, and uh, her name is Sister Beard. And uh, Sister Beard, she writes this, and she said, our son Brady was born prematurely at 32 weeks. And there's pictures of him and stuff here. I can show you after service if you want to see But he was born prematurely at 32 weeks and kept losing his heart rate during delivery. Since he had no further complications, we took him home the next day, but ended up taking him back to the hospital at two days old when he quit breathing. She said, since his birth, he has had several medical issues, including bradycardia, Crohn's disease, and meningitis. A small child. She said, but with much prayer and fasting, he experienced God's healing every time. She said, over this year, though, we faced another major illness when Brady was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I believe Brady was just either 7 or 9 years old at this time, very young. Type 1 diabetes. Of course, something that he was born with did not happen due to his, his poor eating habits. It's type 1. And this, according to doctors, was brought on by the trauma of his previous illnesses. There was a service, amen, And a healing service took place in North Little Rock. She said, we took... Brady down front for prayer and she said I just knew that Brady was healed that very night. She said I continued testing his sugar every day and recorded the readings for our doctor's appointment a week later on May 23rd at which time we were supposed to meet with an uh, endocrinologist. She said throughout the whole week after that amazing healing service, his blood sugar dropped not just 10 to 20 points but anywhere from 50 to 70 points. She said I was so excited but the doctor still wanted to run several tests to confirm the results. We knew the miracle God had performed but wanted to prove it to the doctors and sure enough she said the doctors called to tell us that not only was the diabetes completely gone but Brady doesn't carry any markers or any of the antibodies which means that Brady will never have type 1 diabetes again even later on in his life. She said prayer and fasting and the power of God still works. Can I tell somebody? Jesus can still meet all of our needs. He can still touch bodies. He can still touch minds. He can still touch hearts. Hallelujah. He can still do the impossible. He can still do the impossible. And if he has a good reason, amen, sometimes to not heal someone, guess what? He can still meet your needs and give you the strength and give you the grace, amen, to walk through that trial and come out of it as pure gold. He loves you. He cares about you. He's got your needs in the palm of his hand. Come on, does anybody believe that he's able? Does anybody believe that he cares? Does anybody believe he's still the God that can meet all of our needs? Amen. I want the musician to come. In Luke chapter 6, verses 26 through 39, there was a healing of a man performed by Jesus. And this is one of my favorite healings that Jesus performed, and he certainly did many. Jesus healed the man who was full of many demons. Many of you might be familiar with the story where he said, Legion, because there were many demons within him, when Jesus asked the devil his name. This man had been possessed for a long time. This man had run, barely clothed, throughout the tombs. He had terrorized anybody that would land on shore and terrorize the townspeople. It, it was so bad. But you know what? The townspeople had just gotten used to it. They had just gotten used to the dysfunction. They had gotten used to this demonically possessed man. They, they just, this was just a part of everyday life for them. But not so when Jesus comes along. You know what's so awesome about Jesus? He can walk into a place where there has been dysfunction that has been accepted and tolerated for 20, 30 years, and Jesus can walk into a place, and if there's anybody there willing to change, hungry and thirsty for him, within a single moment, Jesus can change everything and can root out that dysfunction that's been there far too long. Even when we accept dysfunction and we don't even notice anymore sometimes how messed up something can be. If we, if we allow Jesus to come in just a little bit, open the door just a little bit, Jesus comes in and says, wow, you don't realize how far gone this, this is gone. You don't realize how uh, far from ideal this is. But if you would let me, I could heal this in your marriage. I could heal this in your family. I could heal this in your relationships. I could heal this in your heart. Come on, you don't have to accept the dysfunction. You don't have to live with it. In fact, Jesus will reveal things to you if you're willing to say, Jesus, help me. I need you. I want to be better. I want to be more like you. Jesus will come in and root out years, years of dysfunction. That is how powerful our God is. People that used to have horrible tempers, I've seen it, healed by God, full of smile, good sense of humor and joy. I've seen people that that couldn't and wouldn't forgive anybody, but they finally got the revelation that says in Scripture of how much Jesus forgave them. And they had no right not to forgive someone. And if they did not forgive, they would not be forgiven. And ah, the windows open and they were healed. I I could give example after example of the worst kinds of dysfunction you could think of, healed by Jesus Christ. And so here Jesus is with this man full of many demons that no one else could fix, that people had just gotten used to. When it was all over and Jesus had cast those devils out, the man, the Bible says in verse 35 of Luke 6, the man was sitting at the feet of Jesus He was clothed, and he was in his right mind. I want you to catch this. In one moment, he had his spiritual needs met. The Bible says he was at the feet of Jesus. That's where we all need to be. Our right, the correct spiritual posture is at the feet of Jesus. So he had his spiritual needs met. He had his material needs met, because the Bible says he was clothed for the first time in a long time. And he had his mental and emotional needs met. The Bible says that he was in his right mind. In one moment... Jesus took care of his spiritual needs, took care of his material needs, and took care of his mental and emotional needs. Do you understand how powerful that is? Do you understand that nobody else can do that but Jesus? Nobody else is that powerful to do that but Jesus Christ. In one moment, Jesus met all these multiple needs that nobody else could fix. Jesus still meets all of our needs, our hopes, our fears, our sicknesses, our anxieties, our deep longings are all met in him. Maybe you had dreams that got dashed long ago and you have no hope and you've never wanted to put hope in anything again because you've been so disappointed and so let down. Can I tell you Jesus can resurrect your hope and can resurrect your dreams and he still has great things that he wants to do in you and through you. Jesus still meets all of our needs. I'm coming to a close today, but the beginning of the Gospels, as we read in our text, the beginning of the Gospels records God's birth, records Jesus' birth, and the end of the Gospels and the beginning of the book of Acts records the church's birth, right? Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and his disciples were born in Jerusalem, born again. And I've just come to tell someone that one or two that maybe has never been baptized in Jesus' name and had all your sins washed away. Maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues just like it takes place in Scripture, just like God still does it today. I've come to tell you that Jesus wants you to be born again, and Jesus wants to give you that eternal hope and cast out your fears. How many know that there's no, there's no greater remedy to some of our deepest fears than salvation? I don't know about you, but if I lived in this world and I, and I was not saved and I knew that I wasn't saved, the fear that I would deal with every morning would be choking. But I don't have to deal with that fear, amen, because I have been saved by him. I've been redeemed by him, and I am at peace with my creator. Because Jesus was born, we can be born again. What is the other Christmas song? Born to give us second birth. That's what Jesus came to do. Because God decided to live a human life, we can experience abundant and everlasting life. If you are here today and you've already been born again, then you need to rejoice again over what you've been given. And if you are here and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, never been filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, then you need to obey the gospel today and allow Jesus Christ to save you. I want us to stand all over this house, closing my Bible, my iPad to give you hope. Say, so why are you so passionate about this? Well, many of you know my story. I've preached here enough to give snippets of my testimony. There's new people here that don't know it. So I'll just, I'll just say this. I won't go through the whole thing. But the reason why I'm so passionate about this, amen, because when I came to God, my life was not rosy and pretty and full of rainbows and unicorns. I came to the Lord with a lot of regrets, a lot of pains, a lot of uh, things that I had done to hurt myself and hurt others. I had come with addictions. I had come with darkness to the feet of God at 17 years old. Amen. And I seriously wondered, can Jesus really meet all these needs? can Jesus really take care of these needs? I've got some big problems, and there's some big requests, Lord, and I just don't know if you can heal me of that and forgive me of that. I I don't know if I'll ever be free from that haunting memory of what I once did. I don't know if I'll ever be free from the regrets. I I, I was seriously wondering, amen, but I'm so glad that at 17 years old, I made the decision to give Jesus a try and get on my knees and surrender my life to him, to allow him to flood into that room and fill me with his presence, speaking in other tongues, because as the day's went by after that. Amen. That was over over 10 years ago. Amen. And I haven't looked back since. Have I been perfect? No, I'm human, but I've been redeemed. And ever since that day, I, I have learned day by day, week by week that, oh my goodness, Jesus really can and does meet all of my needs. I thought I would have no friends. Jesus gave me new friends. I, I thought that I that that I would never have a have a good marriage. No one would ever like me or want me. God gave me a beautiful, wonderful life that I still don't deserve. I never thought that I would ever do anything special, and yet I have a privilege to hold a microphone and do my best to preach to people. Amen. I, 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 there's a lot of things I never I never thought I'd be free from regrets, and I can tell you there are things that I've totally forgotten about, and and, and memories of things that took place that it's like Jesus has just wiped it off the slate of my mind. Can I tell you there was guilt and condemnation that I never thought I would be free of. But hey, because Jesus meets all of our needs, Jesus took the guilt and he took the condemnation away. There were fears that I never ever thought that I would be free from. Amen. That Jesus showed me those fears were a lie and I had believed a lie for too long. Jesus set me free and proved to me that he still meets all of my needs. There were times where I was sick in my body and I was having seizures and I could not figure out why but Jesus said guess what son I can heal that too and I can meet that need too and that was over six years ago and your boy has not had another seizure and is on no medication I've just come to tell you Jesus has done too much for me to prove to me that he can meet all of our needs our mental needs our emotional needs our physical needs our spiritual needs all of our needs are met in him our hopes are our fears, our sorrows, our depressions. I've just come with a simple message. Jesus is still the answer for it all. Somebody praise him if you believe that. Come on. I'm done preaching. Somebody praise him if you still believe that Jesus meets every single need. Come on. Would you lift your voice for a second before we go any further? Come on. Come on whatever you need jesus has it here whatever you need jesus is more than able hallelujah the bible says that he's able and ready to forgive if you need to ask him for forgiveness he'll forgive you come on if you need deliverance from depression fear or anxiety god can do it he did it for this kid he's done it for millions of others he can do it for you too come on if you need him to touch your mind jesus can do that too come on give him your need Give Him your need. Come on. I don't care if you prayed about it 20 times. Pray about it again. Come on. I feel the power of God is here to do something. If you would stretch out to Him, if you would lift your faith, if you would trust Him, if you would try Him again. Come on. Come on. That's it. Lift your voice before they sing. They're going to sing in just a moment, but we got to lift our voice and pray. Come on. let our Let our voices be a symbol of our faith. Let our voices be a symbol of how much we believe the word of God and what was preached. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, here's my hurt. Jesus, here's the things that I wish I could take back. Jesus, here's my sickness. Jesus, here's my fears. Jesus, here's my depression. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice. No one else can pray for you. Lift your voice and tell them what you need. Lift your voice and talk to them. And he'll come down and help you and heal you. Hallelujah. I'm gonna open these altars now in just a second, but I wanna give, I wanna give people the first chance. People, if you need healing in your body. If you need healing in your mind and your soul of any kind, if you need healing or if you need the Holy Ghost, I want to give you the first opportunity to come. But this altar is open for everybody to come. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come lift your hands, begin repenting of your sins if you haven't already, and God can fill you in a moment. If you need a healing, come down and put your faith in him again and let the prayer of faith be prayed over you. Come on, that's it. Whatever you need. I know I'm not the only one that has a need in this house. Amen. We all bring needs to the house of God. Whatever yours are, bring them to him. Come on. He's still meeting needs. Our hopes and fears are redeemed and satisfied in him. Come on. That's it. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. That's it. There's some still coming. That's it. That's beautiful. That's it, sir. That's it, ma'am. You just come lift your hands. Alright, I'm inviting everybody to come. Saints of God, you may not need a healing. You might be soaring with the eagles right now, but I promise you, you still probably have a need that Jesus wants to meet. So that's it. Come on, lift your hands. They're gonna sing. Lift your hands out loud, lift your hands and lift your voice out loud. That's it. If you don't know what else to say, just tell them hallelujah. That word means the highest praise. If you don't know what else to say, just speak his name. Come on, talk to him just like you would a best friend. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. That's it. Hallelujah. Here's my fear. Here's my pain. Here's my sickness. That's it. Eyes closed, hands raised. Cry out to him. keep praying God's moving God's touching His presence is here cry out to Him let Him meet your needs today God's moving, God's doing something miraculous. If you need the Holy Ghost, don't be afraid. Come to the front, lift your hands and pray.